As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Welcome to another episode of The Athletic Soccer Show. My name is Jeff Reuter, and we're talking Major League Soccer. Ready or not, it's not even Valentine's Day as we're recording this. We're less than two weeks away from the MLS season. Uh, and so here joining me is a good friend of mine, Michele Giannone. Works sidelines all the time for 2 day NA and uh, has been covering MLS, the U.S. Men's National Team. Just You've been a busy man <laughs> in general over the last couple of years. How are you doing? How are you, Jeff? Thanks for good. having me. Um, I'm excited. Less than two weeks. It's crazy. I remember at the beginning of January, I was in MLS Media Day, and it's still there were like over forty days to go for the season. Yeah. And you know, you you it's, it's like okay, it's there. February twenty fifth is, is there, but it's like over forty <laughs> days still. And now it's just less than two weeks. I'm super excited. Yeah, um, I think it's gonna be a great year. We have League Cup this year, which is the tournament that I'm most excited for. We have CCL. Uh, that is starting that is picking up now in march um it's gonna be great um i'm happy to be here thanks thanks for having me yeah um i mean you you had posted something on february 9th on your twitter saying that you will not be part of the mls apple coverage for now and i love a caveat (laughs) i love a caveat like that so uh is there anything yeah just for listeners who are familiar with your work covering the league and we can get into the world cup experience quick as well that you had but um you know that status that future um overall how do you feel i guess not having that regular season trip looking forward to those august days on the sideline in dallas or something yeah um that's the only that's that's the only downside of what what i do especially especially uh, with the mls regular season and and the whole year last year since march when the season started even Mm -hmm. with even february what are we talking about february um until mid-december i was away on a trip every weekend of the year because you know i was doing sidelines for for the whole mls season with ccl too and every time the mls had a break a fifa window i was with the u.s men's national team and i jumped straight from mls cup to uh the world cup and i came back on december the 8th and i i've never 
crash so bad Man. in my life because <laughs> I wasn't just crashing from the World Cup. I was crashing for the whole year. Yeah. Um, my first weekend off, like I didn't, I had honestly, like I accrued like over 40 days of vacation and I didn't take anyone. I just, I, I mean, I took them, but I stayed home. It was like stay, a staycation. Right. And yeah. I've, I don't think I've ever been happier of not doing anything. I was sleeping. Like I will fall asleep that, especially that week after, after Qatar. Yeah. Um, I was going to bed like at 7 p.m. I'm not kidding. 7 p.m. And waking up because I'm, I'm, I'm on Sunday on Pacific time. So, yeah, okay. for example, I, I flew back after the, the USMNT got eliminated. Saturday, that was a Saturday, Saturday right. December the 6th. So, I flew back uh, the 8th. So, I watched the rest of quarterfinals and the, the rounds of 16 and everything um, on TV, right? And here, yeah. those, most of the games started at 7 a.m., the, those the end of quarterfinals. So, I was waking up early, like <laughs> sleeping, and then like at I I I'm, I don't take naps. I I've never been able to like like okay I'm I'm gonna take a nap like in the middle of the day. I I don't know my body just I'm not you, you can't get it. I like, can't revived. I can't do it. And I was yeah. just like back fall asleep like from two p.m. to six p.m. I was so tired, man. I was so, but but very happy. I was happy. So <laughs> but other than that, I'm really thrilled. <laughs> I was I was thrilled. It was the best professional year of my life, and I'm very yeah. grateful and thankful for that. I got to go to Minnesota a couple times, three times actually with the Melas Holster, uh, see you spending time right. with, with great people. Like that's the best thing about traveling all over the country that you can connect again. Like I went to Chicago. I saw my good friend, Paul Tenorio from yeah. athletic in New York. I saw Sam stage call. Bring him out. From MLS. Whole staff, let's do it. <laughs> so that's uh, the whole staff. It, when I went to Atlanta, I had dinner with, with Felipe. Check the it's box. Tech, you got to go to DC. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I was very happy. So as, as you guys know, um, MLS went with Apple. So they, they just stayed with Fox with a, with a TV, with the, with the TV deal. With a sure. normal yeah, TV deal, right? National and, simulcast, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and and so to the NA and Univision didn't renew with MLS except for Leagues Cup that we're gonna have. We're gonna have Leagues yeah. Cup. Actually, I think the final in Spanish is exclusive with us. Not even on Apple is gonna be. Yeah, which is gonna be great. Hopefully, yeah, I'm gonna be on the there on the sideline for that. Who's who's gonna be in the final? Let's just way too early. Let's not even analyze the tournament. Uh -huh. Who's the final? <laughs> Tigres. Okay. <laughs> Even with a new coach, really? Okay, okay. I mean, if they're you, so good, I guess. If you see, if you saw Tigres uh, two nights ago, Gignac, it's. I mean, it's, 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 if Gignac is healthy, it's done. It's done. Yeah, he's, he's the best player on on on. For me, he's the best player on the whole America. North America. Yeah, um, I'm with you. So I think, you know, I, I, w I wanted to say LAFC, but I think LAFC is going to be like all in with CCL. And probably yeah. is gonna that is gonna take a lot of energy from them, like it, like what happened with Seattle, right? Uh, so I'm, I'm gonna say I'm gonna give something to this fan base that if if <laughs> if you don't give praises the whole time, they get they're a little bit sensitive. Let's say Austin. Let's there say let's say Austin Tigres, <laughs> right? Let's give Austin something. 
I was actually thinking Austin too. I was thinking they could take this very seriously after falling in the conference final, but beating LAFC in the regular season twice. I could see them treating this as their sort of, we'll make up for it with this and then we'll move on to MLS cup. So I could see them treating this as sort of a a litmus test of how they're doing. And, and it's funny, by the way, you mentioned with, with all of the travel last fall, I remember all-star week, there we are doing a podcast together with the guys over at extra time. And then, you know, staying, drinking beers, chatting with Charlie Davies photos that Morgan Tanksa takes of us um, deep in conversation about how to get the most out of the galaxy midfield. They did not get the most out of their midfield last year, but we'll probably end up talking about that a little bit here actually. Um, And then you, we fast forward to two weeks from the end of the season and you're in town covering one of the loons games because Uh they're in the thick of the playoff chase. And we're both just a little bit more tired and it's just kind of one mescal instead. And then we're, (laughs) we're moving on to their hotel and then we run into each other at MLS cup as well. And it's truly just asking each other questions about the press conference we're in and then immediately just going to rest. (laughs) Like just crash course. Absolutely. Everything everything feels sometimes like a blur. I, now that you mentioned, I totally forgot that we were sitting next to each other. Yeah. at Cherondolo's press conference for MLS right. Cup. I, I, I blank. That, I, I remember that blur. Minnesota trip. It was super fun. That was the game. Well, I went to Minnesota back-to-back weeks. So one of the games were the, mm, when right. Dallas beat them 3-0. That's right. Um, we met at... at um, I'm, I'm blanking the name. Uh, Blackheart of St. Paul. Uh, Blackheart, yeah. We had right. the, the mezcal. We have, we have something to eat. Great. The, that was the great. It was a hot dog, right? Yeah, the, the food truck yeah, yeah. there was a bratwurst. I think it was like a yeah, special bratwurst, tea, all delicious. Yeah, like apple and it was fantastic. And, was and then I went straight to the airport there. And, and on that trip, I got I got an, an upgrade to first class. And and I when when I board, I'm sitting down. I sit down and next to me, it's Sebastian Leggett flying with Becky G <laughs> going back from L.A. to spend the night there and then flying back the next day to Dallas because Leggett was already on Dallas. That's right. That's right. I have, the, I have a million stories like that, which is I'll, I'll take like the whole day. <laughs> but anyways, so back to it. Uh, I was um, MLS started talking with, with me to be involved with the project. That was mm. really excited uh, to join in since October. So um, like a month ago, they came back to propose something. Um, that it involves like not necessarily having to leave QDN, which was probably the first time we spoke in October. Uh, they said, "Well, there's there's a chance that we would like you to like transition to us, leave sure. what you're doing right now." Transfer so they, window, off- they offer they offer me something to like. You know what? Um, we would love to for you to be involved doing games. So we just want to like let's say a game on a Saturday. So fly on a Friday do a game on Saturday and fly back. As long as it doesn't interfere with your 2DN schedule, we would like you to have you. Great. Great. I go to 2D, to 2DN Univision and they give me the green, the green light, everything's set. And, but <laughs> when we're like trying to formalize everything, the company lawyers uh, stepped in at 2DN and said, no, 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 you cannot do that. I, I didn't know because I was never in this position. Uh, my, right. Actually, my boss at 2DN didn't know either. Um, and people at MLS didn't know that the type of work visa that I am, which is an L1B visa, mm. that's the one that I used to work with Univision and 2DN here in the United States, uh, you're tied to the company that is tied to that visa. So you cannot, have, you, 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 cannot, you cannot get paid to do another job with another company, right? Mm, so, I okay. mean, let's say technically or theoretically, <laughs> I could like, calling games for MLS and Apple for free <laughs> right, and, right. And, and don't get reimbursed or, or, or get paid for anything. You can, 
basically you cannot work for anyone else except for the visa that you're like LinkedIn, which is to me with Univision and, and Turian. Um, sure. I'm not, I'm not going to lie. I was crushed. Like I was, yeah. Oh, absolutely. For a few days, I was like, I don't want to talk to anyone. I don't want to re- deal with this. Like, this is so effed up. Yeah. Um, I was very angry at the situation. Um, but then, you know, talking with people, like the people at MLS, I'm thankful and grateful. They said, you know what? Just come with us when you're good to go. The, the next step is getting my green card, which okay. I'm in the process too. It could take from, but this, the, it could take from six months to two years. To finally sure. get it. So I, I'm an ordained minister. I can do weddings. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, <laughs> in your back pocket next time in Minnesota. Uh, one, 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 one person in, in Twitter is like, join the military. You get citizenship in, in, in three months. <laughs> like, it's that well, easy. Let's, let's, let's try to avoid that route <laughs> for now. For now. And, right. <laughs> and yeah, hopefully the opportunity is going to still be there next year. And I'm going to be back calling or doing silent for with MLS, which is the thing that I, that I really love. Yeah. And, and I mean, with the league's cup as well, you still have avenues to be able yeah. to, to keep up with I mean, every thing, single team too. Which yeah. Helps. The thing that helped is that, I mean, I don't plan to leave TDN and Univision. So the idea plan next year is still like being able to do both things now sure. legally on, 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 with everything set. And, but this year with Univision, especially I'm really excited. Yeah. We have uh, CCL. We still have CCL. And I'm actually on the sidelines for March 16 LAFC game here in, in LA uh, for the quarterfinals. Uh, we have Leagues Cup in the summer that I were, were, I'm super excited. We have most of the games. We have the final. Um, we have Gold Cup with the USMNT. We have the Nations League Final Four with the USMNT. And from here to until the end of Leagues Cup, which is the end of August, I'm going to be busy traveling doing games. So that has helped dealing with the heartbreak. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You won't struggle to get those miles. You might get more free upgrades. I'll tell you that much. Yeah. <laughs> and and I'm good. glad, I'm glad that we'll still get your voice on the sidelines and your insight and everything. I like appreciate that. it. And, and I'm sure that you'll be around for, for Twitter spaces, for podcasts, for all of that. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not going to stop covering and doing and, and tweeting and, and talking about MLS. Love that. At all. Love that. So then let's uh, let's start with some some guys. So instead of what we were going to do is we we're going to talk about some newcomers to teams. So uh, it could be free agents, transfers, um, trades within the league. Super, I don't think either of us picked a super draft prospect, but if you really wanted to, Mikel, I feel free. Um, but I think that the idea here is uh, guys kind of in that second tier who aren't being discussed as much. We're not necessarily looking for uh, every club's record signing or looking for the, the the biggest pieces that have made moves. But the ones that we have been really impressed by that seem like savvy pickups, um, again, some of these will be designated players, like the first player we'll talk about. Other of these will be much more off the radar for um, you know the, the average fan who isn't a fan of the team uh, who the player either left or joined. So uh, we'll get in the weeds a little bit with it, but let's, let's start with uh, the New York Red Bulls, Rosin Ball Sport, New Jersey, uh, who went out and they signed Dante Van Zier, um, Belgian international uh, who signed from Royal Union SG. Uh, big pickup. And this is something that we reported on The Athletic uh, with some some very strained negotiations to get some back and forth for a, a club that is very ambitious, which has been on the rise in Belgium over the last couple of seasons in particular, saw him as a centerpiece, didn't want him to leave because they are pushing for European places for a title, all of this. Uh, and they lose him mid-season uh, so that he can go to Harrison. Overall, what impresses you about his profile? I'm very excited, and and I'm glad you mentioned him first 
For mm. me, he's the early candidate and I'm buying all the stock from yeah. him to be the newcomer of the year and, and a serious threat, if not the favorite, to get the golden boot this mm. year. I golden love wow. this signing and I think it's exactly what the Red Bulls need. Uh, I get this question a lot, like who's your favorite team to watch on MLS? Or, and I always say the Red Bulls. And it's not mm. just necessarily the type of soccer that they play. It's you just like teams the, that can't pass the ball. Yeah. Exactly. And, they, and, they, and, they, and, and that they can't win at home. That's something right. that, that I love. The two favorite right? components. <laughs> so, <laughs> alas, the individuals. I think Red Bulls on paper and the individual talent that they have. I love Frankie Amaya. I think he's one of the most underrated midfielders in, in all MLS. I think he yeah. should be at least get a chance on the, on the U.S. men's national team. Mm-hmm. Um, I love Omir Fernandez. I love Luis Morgan. I, for me, Luis Morgan, it's my MVP dark horse candidate of the year. And it's tied to, to the advanced year signing. I think Luis Morgan is going to have double-digit assist because he's yeah. going to give a lot of assets to, to, to this center forward. And it's Absolutely. What, what was one of the main problems for the Red Bulls last year is that, especially at the beginning of the year, it's, I mean, I'm not going to, I don't want to throw anyone under the bus, but Klimala was bad, yeah, period. Was. Yeah. Like he, he didn't do what he needed to be done, which is put the ball in the back of the net. And I think this guy has all the, the qualities that Klimala uh, didn't have. And I think he's going to be a great goal scorer for the league. I think he's going to be double digits goal scorer, um, fighting for that golden booth. And this team is going to be really fun to watch with, with especially with Lucas Morgan and Vansier up top. Yeah, I, I think it kind of fell off people's radar, but credit to the Red Bulls. They scored the fifth most goals in the Eastern Conference last year with 50. And so averaging yeah. a goal a half. And so even if you bump it up to two goals per game or much closer to it, that's all it would take to surpass everyone but the Philadelphia Union last season. Um, I think that, that that interplay with Morgan is going to be crucial, how quickly they're able to to get that going. Um, I'm with you on Frankie Amaya. I want to see more from him. I understand that there was a lot of kind of turmoil after he, the way that he got that move away from Cincinnati yeah. to be able to get that sort of adjustment period back with the Red Bulls. Um, but, you know, he, it didn't come off last year. They brought Caden Clark back on a loan uh, and, and they hoped that he would be able to continue his development. It kind of stagnated between some injuries and some illness and just some bad form in general where, you know, I think that there are those minutes to be had in the midfield to get that sort of creativity, whether they play with three in the middle um, or if they change the formation at all under Gerhard Struber. And it's a big opportunity for them, as we talked about before the show, because uh, a team that we will not be talking about for a new player that they brought in is New York City FC. Um, who have shed far more players than they have picked up seemingly for who you would expect for a t- top 15, 16 players on an MLS Cup contending roster. And so big opportunity for the Red Bulls to claw back some of that within the rivalry for Hudson River. And um, good pickup overall. I mean, club record signing if he hits all of his uh, achievables. Yeah. But, you know, as you're saying, those are fairly attainable if this is a player who could possibly be an MLS best 11 caliber sort of player. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm really excited again, and and yeah, it's it's we're talking about the underlining numbers at the beginning of the season because I was having this this conversation with with other people that especially cover the Red Bulls, and they were saying, mm. oh, the underlying numbers with Klimala, the, he's 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 gonna, he's gonna get there, he's gonna get there, you know, with as and he never he never got there, and right. and and again, they, yeah, they score a lot of goals uh, as a team, but but it was always it was a messy team. 
to watch. You never you never know what you were gonna get week week in week week in week out, right? Uh, especially right. how bad they were at home. Um, so I think that having this guy that again can be a potential Golden Boot winner, um, um, best eleven type of player right there as as you know as the guy and mm. let the other ones just do their own thing what they can do with with Amaya with 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 Cáceres with Omer Fernandez with Lewis Morgan I think having that guy not having to worry about if the guy is going to score if going to perform etc it also helps the other players to understand okay I don't have to do too much Right, I just right. gotta play my role, and I think this team is gonna be fine. It's gonna be really fun to watch. Yeah, they've they've really struggled at center forward since Bradley Wright Phillips moved on yeah. for that final season at LAFC. You know, they they got rid of Brian White probably a little too soon, and then yeah. they have Ashley Fletcher coming on alone and all of this stuff too. So, I mean, that will be a big one. The other designated player I think we have on our list, both of our lists actually, is Carlos Cruezo, uh, who comes in for uh, returns to MLS after his first stint with FC Dallas, of course, before moving to Augsburg. Now he is back with the San Jose Earthquakes for the start of the Luchi Gonzalez era. Um, I think another kind of simultaneous, it deserves mention, but I'm more excited about Cruezo maybe is Jonathan Mensa making a yeah. move, a proven MLS center back, someone who's won MLS Cup uh, leadership bona fides and is going to be able to make that move from the East to the West. But uh, I mean, overall, there's there's been some more work to be done with San Jose, but this is probably the most active offseason that they've had in quite some time. Um, I know Matias Almeida is probably really frustrated at the amount of investment that ownership is finally making here, but um, overall, how do you, how do you feel um, is a reasonable expectation for how much further San Jose can get in year one of playing Luchi ball? I think they can contend to mm. make that seventh spot in, in, yeah. in the West. I'm, I'm really excited. I'm, 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 I'm loving what, what they're doing. Um, Cause I remember, I think it was Sam that wrote the piece at the beginning of last season or, or close to the beginning about all the ownership mistakes and, 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 and that, what, what you mentioned, like just a status quo that they didn't do what, what Almeida was asking all the signings. And now with Lucci, they're, they're making step forward at something that we are not used to see with this ownership group. Like yeah. Jonathan Mensa was 800,000 of allocation money. That's a lot of general allocation money. Yeah. And, and, and it's a really smart signing because now four days ago, Nathan, the, the, the Brazilian center back, is going to miss probably, I think, the whole season with an LCL injury. So bringing Mensa, now it just, it fixes two problems. One, you get a great MLS center back. Like a true that number is, one center exact, back in MLS. True number yeah. one center back that is going to give you, I, we got to remember San Jose got, it was the second worst defense of the whole league 69 goals against just yeah. dc was worth with with 71 69 yeah. goals against those and that was part the, the first seven games of the season without me that they were just awesome. oh yeah porous it's right. like I, I i did two san jose games of those first uh two months <laughs> of the season without Almeida. And I think each game was like 5-4, 4-3, like a typical San Jose. You know, if a San Jose right. game doesn't end 3-3, 4-4, it's not a, it's not yeah. a game. But um, and now bringing Mensa, you don't have to drop Ewell as center back because Ewell had to play a lot of center back in, in, the, in trying to fix that mess last year. Yeah. So now with Ewell and Grueso, you have that double pivot. You can call it that. It's, I think it potentially could be one of the best in the I league. I, I, I've always... I know that USMNT fans don't like to hear like Will Trapp's name, Jackson Ewell's <laughs> name, because it's linked to that era. 
with the U.S. men's national team, is it was right. it's not Musa, Wes McKenney, and Adams. You know, is the first two Greg Berhalter's two three first um, years in charge. Right. But Jackson Yule is a great MLS player. Yeah. And if he can play his position, which is that number six, and now releasing that amount of pressure of the things that he has to worry about with putting a, an amazing player like Grueso, a right. DP player, I'm very excited. And, and, and I had the opportunity to talk with Lucci, and I asked him, like, it, without, without any um, gray areas, like, why are you taking the San Jose job? <laughs> like, have you seen San Jose yes. in, in the past? Like, do you trust this ownership group? And he said, yeah. yes. Like, they sold me a project, and I'm very confident they're going to they're gonna start um, doing what we talk about. Now they have with Leach, they, I think they have a, a really good uh, general manager, too, that he was also like an, inter, like an interim. And, 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 and I don't think he saw, well, he didn't see eye to eye with Almeida clearly no, but no, that stability no did. <laughs> didn't, didn't help right? right but now Lucci has I think even a better situation that he had in Dallas because when he was in Dallas yeah he had a great academy but Dallas didn't spend they just That's right. sell 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 now yep. San Jose has a really good academy we just saw it with Cruz Medina when the under 17 great prospect Absolutely. They, they have uh, this kid the Sakiris with yeah. uh, I think I, I don't know if I'm watching his name. Sorry, no, Sakiris with, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sakiris with, with the yeah. with the U20s. He's also a great prospect. So they have those two on the pipeline, and 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 I mean you have Ebobisi, you have now the midfield with Ewell, with Gureso, you have Mensa now as a center back pairing. I yeah. really li like, and now you see okay, now Lucci now has a ownership that it looks that they want to spend or they're spending. Like right. Mensa or are more is, comfortable is, with it, at least. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, Mensa and Grueso are two big spendings for, for Major big. League uh, Soccer uh, standards. Absolutely. And, 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 and you have Lucci, and, and, and you know that he's going to do a good job with the academy. So I think yeah. San Jose is a good mid to long-term um, uh, working process. But yeah. I think it, it could start this year if everyone is healthy. Um, to fight for that seventh, seventh, sixth spot in the West. I could see it, and and they've really, really struggled over the last <sighs> decade. I mean, yeah. it, it's been one of the most underperforming franchises in all of MLS yeah. throughout their history, for that matter. But yeah. I think that when you look overall at uh, you know the talent that was on hand under Almeida, and then if you go to Mikel Stara as well. Um, certainly for right beforehand, you know, there'd just been some, some serious issues with cohesive roster building and actually getting that sort of an identity, feeling like the earthquakes know what they're doing more than just putting pieces together. And there are a couple of MLS teams like this that I don't think will come up today, but it really just seems like they're plugging holes and there isn't really that even two-year plan or even, you know, yeah. three-year, five-year, certainly that they're not thinking that far ahead. And so I think for San Jose, being able to have someone like Luigi Gonzalez is going to be a perfect fit uh, to be able to get that sort of continuity together and, um, you know, it just raises the floor of what that team can be. And, you know, if the defense isn't laboring so much, if the midfield's more contained, maybe we finally get the breakout from Cade Cowell that we've all been expecting for, I think, two seasons now. We've seen it in glimpses. Maybe this is the series of moves that finally unlocks it. I think if you look for uh, elsewhere in uh, California, another move that really interested me, a player moving from within Major League Soccer and fortifying that midfield with chance creation of alongside Ricky Puj. Memo Rodriguez, someone who was had a, a really good breakout around 2018-2019 with the Houston Dynamo, uh, made a, a quick debut with the U.S. men's national team, landed in that pool, looked like he was going to be a really promising, progressive player. And then under 
Tab Ramos and then last season as well with the coaching changes midway through, um, you know, really did struggle to find that same sort of comfort in the midfield, but also that playing time in general. And so now you move him over to Greg Vanny's LA Galaxy project, um, third full season for him, kind of a big year for him to be able to show where they are in comparison to LAFC after they win their first MLS Cup as well. Uh, is there still more to be seen from Memo Rodriguez or is it just a matter of getting him back to where he was at his best with the Dynamo? Yeah, it's it's Memo is an interesting case of we don't know how how much a bad team situation plays into the development of a player mm, mm-hmm. because like you mentioned he he started looking like a legit contender to get into like the USMNT rotation and even major league rotation and then uh, with all the changes with Houston and 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 I mean sadly I don't think we're saying anything wrong here it's it's been of a messy situation the last absolutely a few years with like you mentioned the coaching changes yes uh, last year with the coaching change with Nagamura not working in the middle of the season uh with tap that didn't work either with an owner with with a old ownership that wasn't making the investments now then with the new owner it's 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 spending money so it's something similar to maybe what we're seeing in, in san jose like the arrows are pointing up but I don't think if it's enough. I think uh, uh, so. Going back to with Memo, it's it's he's going to be very important for the Galaxy because it's like we know it's MLS is a long season, especially during those summer months. And both LA teams have a problem, which is midfield depth. Um, LAFC until last last a few days that they brought uh, Timothy Filman. Uh, Mm, as one of the right. for the midfield, they literally had on the depth chart the three starters. And that's it. Ilya, right. uh, Kellen, and, and Cifuente. And that's it. That's it. Great midfield. Can't Great play midfield, all 90 but, minutes every single game. Right, but what, right. A, what a team that's going to play CCL, MLS, and League Cup, you, you need right. that, right? Right. So with the Galaxy, we know that the, the midfield is set with Brookman, which I think right now is in, in, should be in the, in, the, in the running to be the best six in the league. Like, he changed. People say that the Galaxy... Last year, the, the Ricky Pooch was his, the, the most important signing. Mm-hmm. I, I fight against that. I think Brookman, it's, it, it was the most it, it was it, he was more important because what he does give Ricky the freedom to do what Pooch can do. Because right. Ricky is probably the worst midfielder in the whole league defending. He's not gonna <laughs> defend. He's not gonna no. run to help anything on not defense. At all. So Brookman having playing that role as a six, I think is more important. But obviously Ricky Puch, you know, he, he gets the spotlight and everything. Right. So and 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 I think he's he has a great partnership with uh Mark Delgado. With like Memo, we thought he was gonna be a bigger player and he right. got lost a little bit in, in those Toronto downfall at the yeah. end. And now when, when he comes back to the galaxy with Vanny, that we saw the best from him in Toronto when Bani was in charge, that right. he, he went to the USMNT too, uh, Marky Delgado. Now, well, now he doesn't want to go with Mark anymore. So right. Mark, Mark Delgado. Sorry, He's Mark. all grown up now. That's right. That's so right. they have a great midfielder with, with yeah. Brookman, Marky, and, and Pooch. But we know they cannot play every minute, right? No. And when you see their, their, their depth chart, Sasha Kleston retired. Uh, Victor Vasquez left. So after Pooch, Mark and Brookman... You have just you have Aguirre, who's a kid, Saldana, another kid, um, Harvey, probably not not the best option out of the bench. No. So yeah. the guy immediately after those three is, is going to be Memo. 
So he's going he's, he's gonna to be asked to play a lot. And if he can be that Memo Rodriguez that is more closer to his first years in, in Houston, I think it's, he, it's, he's going to become one of the best signings of the year because it gives the Galaxy that depth that they desperately need. Would you, at the same point, would you consider a four four two? You lost Cabral, you lost Grand Seer, you shed them. No, say. no, no. They loss. need to play. I'm, I'm been screaming <laughs> since last year. Play, please, Greg Vanny. It's three five two. That's mm. you. You have great center backs: Martin Cáceres, Kulivali, Mavinga. You have uh, Jalen Neal. That that he's uh, this amazing prospect that we saw already in January camp. There's four great center backs. Uh, yeah. They brought Eric Zabaleta back. That's five. Yeah, Just that's play you, you have the pieces. I already told you the three in the middle. You have right. great wing backs. I don't know what's going to happen with Julian Araujo, but if he right. comes back, there, there's your right wing back. You have uh, Raheem Edwards as your left wing back. And up top, you, you cannot allow yourself uh, to leave Jovalich in the bench anymore. And you're no, not going to bench Chicharito. So no. I think Galaxy is perfectly fine, which has, they, they've been playing, the, they've been trying the 3 5 2 finally on the preseason, on the Coachella yeah. Invitational, they've been playing. And they, and they look good. So I, forget the 4 4 2, forget the 4 3 3. You don't have the wingers. Efra, he cannot be a winger on MLS. No. Uh, no. Douglas Costa, come on, enough. Ugh, uh, yeah. they, 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 they got rid of Cabral, they got rid of Grancier. Play 3 5 2. Please, Ripani. I'm here. I know you're listening to this. I implore you. <laughs> Enough. Enough. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is supported by FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League Two after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the team's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher league. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenge and rise again into League One? FX is welcome to Wrexham. All new Thursdays on FX. Stream on Hulu. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. I'll be curious to see how much they can close the gap on LAFC. I think it's it's a big one. I mean, they've been afraid of it this entire time since the club launched, of course, right? But yeah. I think last year was finally the year where... Um, you know, it felt like LAFC had kind of passed them in the queue and was a little bit more prominent, relevant for for two years running since that, uh, you know, the Supporter Shield win and the, the CCL final run, all of that stuff. But uh, now it truly is back on the Galaxy to show their move. And 
We'll yeah. see if it's a three five two. We'll see if it's a frustrating four two three one again or something. Uh, sticking in the West for a little bit here. Uh, Maxi Arudi is going to have some more competition up top with Austin. Um, Emiliano Rigoni is also obviously going to be playing greater minutes, and he struggled in the postseason mightily with his finishing. But yeah. in come a couple of chronic finishers uh, with Major League Soccer pedigrees, Giassi Zardes, and then Will Bruin as well. Um, I would imagine Giassi is much more likely to be starting than Will Bruin at that point. But overall, just having that sort of a, a space-finding merchant, um, you know, kind of a rumdorder sort of striker, just in a sense of how he reads the game with Giassi Zardes and, and getting in that positional play, having worked with Josh Wolf, of course, as well during their time in Columbus briefly, um, and with the U.S. Men's National team um do you see this as a you know an ability to get dp caliber goal scoring from a striker for less than a dp level or at this point is giossi zardas not necessarily a, a safe bet for a one and two return rate up top no i i see him as one of the best signings of the whole of season um mm-hmm. i have him on my top five probably number one or two i'm I gonna him second on mine yeah it's I, I i had a number one but then then i move it to Two or potentially three, talking about Vance here and, and then another guy the, in Kansas City that we're going to talk about. Right. I think Zardes is going to score 15 goals or more. I, I mean, this Austin team is a juggernaut offensively. You have this MVP. You, you can call Drusi the co-MVP if you want. With I would. <laughs> that, I that, would. What it, that, that was one of the most fascinated MVP races, I think, with we've seen in a long time I in agree. a long time i was flip-flopping him and honey like every weekend for the last well and you had Ilya sanchez the in there for a while too keep yeah Ilya. i mean he was top five he was top five for sure yeah he did well he did well yeah that's not a dig yeah <laughs> but he did make it and like we're, the, true... we're, we're gonna mention Ilya when we when we talk about sporting Kansas <laughs> city um that's right i think jassy is gonna score over double digits goal i think i i think he's, he can score 15 goals the thing with Urruti is, like you said, he he was never a double-digit consistent goal scorer. No, he, no worries, he, he's, he's a great player in the sense of, tactically, he works his butt off. Yeah. He helps the fan a lot. But just imagine having a 15-goal scorer, a 20-goal scorer playing with, uh, with Driussi last season, right. for example. Like We've been talking probably like Austin winning the Supporter Shield. Austin having that game against LAFC, not in LA, but in Austin, we yeah. could have changed a lot of things. So we saw what happened when, when LAFC went and That's played right. against Austin in Austin. Not even close. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think Austin is, is going to be one of the, again, one of the better teams. Like I said, I, I think they can challenge CCL. They can challenge League Cup. They can challenge Major League Soccer. And and having that rotation on top, they have now three legit number nine goal scorers with yeah. with with Ruti, Sardes, and and Bruin. But mm-hmm. I like you mentioned, I always defended Yassi at the US men's national team when he was at, at Galaxy, then when he moved to Columbus and he showed what a great goal scorer can be in the league. And he's gonna be the starting number nine. I have no doubts about it, knowing Josh Wolf's system perfectly. Right. Should be seen. I'm very excited. I think Jazzy's going to be up there contending with the Golden Boot. And Austin, again, is going to be a fun team to watch. Because when we... Yeah, Urruti, he should have scored more goals. He scored just nine well, goals. We've known that in, for years, though. I mean, think yeah, about... But, yeah, exactly. But like, think yeah. of every single team he goes to. We, we, we always have this sort of a Rudy cycle, don't we? Yeah. Where we say, like, okay, great-looking player. He has a great, great celebration. We, we're a sucker for the Archer celebration, all of us. And so we, we watch him a little bit closer. He can do the fantastic. He's so technically skilled. 
um, a new team will look and say, we know what it's going to take to get the most out of Max Uruti, right? We yeah. always have this discourse every time he makes a club change, and it's happened a few times. And it, it ultimately becomes, what can he do to help your teammates? And so I, I don't think it's a coincidence that Triussi had such a strong season with Rudy being his number nine up top most of the time. But ultimately, to your point, you, you see the shortcomings. And if you're getting less than 10 goals for a striker who, in a positional play structure like that, is basically getting spoon-fed chances just for tap-ins exactly. or for set pieces and all that stuff. It, I mean, with the team around him, with Vergoni now also having a full offseason and a full preseason to embed with the club, um, I don't really see an excuse for Austin striker pool as a collective. And then this is yeah. where you get into Will Bruin also coming in and having proven himself with Seattle as kind of an off the bench, uh, late goal merchant. Like it, he just feasts on tired defenses all the time. And I think between those three and then a Rudy doing the, the, the hard yards and some of those double game weeks, maybe whatever the case is, it's pretty hard for me to imagine that trio combining for fewer than 20 goals this season. And if you have 20 goals at the striker position this year for Austin, Austin FC, that's probably your yeah. Western conference favorite at this point. I was going to say even 30, like between I could those see it. three. I could absolutely you can see, see it. 30, and then you add, let's say, let's say Drusy doesn't score as much, but let's say Drusy scores, converts those, one of, some of those goals to assists. To Which inevitably, right. Let's say another 15 from Drusy with another, I don't know, like you said, we, we haven't even mentioned Fagundes. Like when, right, when, you, when, right. you're playing, when you're playing with those three guys oh um, on, behind you, I mean, like you said, it's, it's, it, it should be easier. You, Urruti should have scored more goals, right? Yeah. I, I always remember people, do you know, did you know that Urruti and Joseph Martinez had the same amount of goals last year? You wouldn't think <laughs> about that. No, Joseph no, scored nine goals, having the nightmare season that he had in Atlanta. Yeah. With just 12 starts, he scored the same amount of goals that Urruti. And Urruti played 32 games. Right. So, yeah, I think I think Sardis is going to be a great goal scorer for them. And, I'm, uh, yeah, I'm excited. fascinating stat. And I think that that actually, that makes Joseph look better. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's one of those things yeah. where you could say, is that a good thing for a Rudy to be similar to Joseph? No, my, my <laughs> no, colleague Felipe Cardenas and I uh, analyzed Joseph's last year in Atlanta and then how he could fit in Miami. Go read that from a couple weeks ago on The Athletic. Awesome. And, um, yeah, it, it's, no. Joseph is going to be a very different <laughs> player. He doesn't even show up on this list. And I think yeah. now let's move into a lightning round here. We'll just go, you get 30, 45 seconds each. We'll go back and forth with some other yeah. guys that we've, we've liked. And um, I guess I'll start with another one that I thought was crucial from the Eastern conference, Derek Etienne going to Atlanta. Um, and I think that when you look at the players that Atlanta has brought in, um, you know, before bringing in Garth Lagerway to, to help kind of oversee the whole sporting operation. So often it was a player who was very good on the ball, someone who was going to create their own chances, someone who's going to sell jerseys because you can kind of envision them dribbling sort of a 90s mentality of soccer, honestly, where the best attack chance creation comes on the dribble and not from passing sequences or crossing or passing into space, whatever the case may be. We, we know better now, but it didn't look like Atlanta had caught up on that. And I think that with Etienne, you have someone who truly likes to play off the ball. What a luxury. Someone who's going to be making that run to, to draw a defender out of position, to free up room for the dribbly boys. Someone who's going to be able to, um, you know, get in on the end of a ball, maybe kind of force a back line from pressing too high up the pitch and get that line of engagement a little further back, um, you know, just open the field a little bit more. I think Atlanta still has another year or two before they're really going to be back to that contention, in my opinion. But I really liked that pickup. It showed a little bit more of a sane, coherent roster build approach of actually finding a player who does fit what they need instead of another pseudo luxury piece, whatever their budget could afford. Yeah. Talking about Atlanta, it's we know they're going to be good, right? 
but we didn't know exactly where how all the pieces will fit. And, and I'm happy that Lager Way, it's immediately changed how things were going to work. Like he yeah. said, we're done signing every year, like the way they did it here. Like, oh, let's go to Argentina and go pay $15 million for this guy and 14 and 13. When you, right. when you look at the, the top 10, top 10 most expensive transfers in MLS history, six or seventh are from Atlanta. Yeah. It's crazy. And, and, and none of them are, are Miguel Almiron, by the way. <laughs> that, that, that's the other thing. Or Joseph which, Martinez, or right? Or Joseph, which right. are crazy. So what tells you about it? That most of them have been busts, right. right? And we don't know about Tiago Almada. Like, yes, he is a world champion. He's, he has I, the potential to be the best player of Major League Soccer. But good. I felt, and I, and I spoke with Felipe about this uh, last year, I mm. felt that during some games... And Almada is young, but during some games that Atlanta needed for Almada to own the game, hey, just give me the ball. I'll, right. I'll fix this mess. He didn't do it. He shy right. away from the moment. Right. So now having ETN, having now uh, Georgios Giacomakis as a potential, another guy that is going to shoot five sure. for the Golden Boot, having that number nine reference like Joseph used to be, um, I think that's going to help release a little of those expectations and the pressure yeah. so Almada can be more freely and not having to like maybe have all, all the weight in the shoulders. But, but because now we're, we're heading into a new season with a, a World Cup champion playing right. in the league. And, and, and he and played now, in the World Cup, technically. Keep in yeah, mind, he, he did play. he played seven minutes, but he played. Um, <laughs> seven more and, minutes and, than Will ever And he's going to have Cup. that target right. and that label right. on his back, right? So I think ETN, like like you mentioned, is going gonna, is gonna to help them so much. And when you mm -hmm. see like Tiago Almada playing as a 10, ETN as a left winger, then you have Luis Araujo that I don't love, but he's he's a great dribbler one-on-one, -on -one, but he, his, his final touch mm -hmm. is always a mess. He, right. he makes the, 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 the final decision is always the wrong one. Yeah, but but yeah, Atlanta, Atlanta looks like like you said, should be a fun team. If um, they should start figuring things out, but out of like being like a big contender, I think Lagerway needs like another maybe another year, another like big off season. Because during the yeah. summer, it's it's yeah, you can fix here and there, but but maybe another like winter, which which is weird because for for the rest of the world, the summer. Transfer right. window is the most important, right. but for MLS, probably the... the, the so now the, you're working in a more it's, congested it's, transfer window and all exactly, of that stuff to so. actually get these along the line, as but, we saw with the negotiations with yeah. Celtic, for that matter. Um, exactly. So, there's so a, yeah. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. No, no, no. I was, I was saying that, that, that ETN uh, should fix a lot of their problems that they had last year. I think so. Atlanta is one of those teams that, you know, they're going to be looking to make a rise um, compared to last year finishing 11th. I think if you go to the Western Conference and look at the team that finished 12th, uh, if I remember right, you've got Sporting Kansas City coming off of a 40-point season. You know, for so long it was Peter Vermees is going to get them in the playoffs, and then <laughs> yeah. we'll see what they can do, right? And then I think about 2019, finally that streak busted, and it's been kind of every other year where they're contending to finish top four in the West, and then they're really, really struggling to get through the year. A lot of injuries last year, um, and uh, they, they got some work on the midfield. Overall, I mean, talk about your guy obviously but how do you feel about kansas city at this point and another club that they've been with a coach for so long that it's kind of hard to imagine them without but once a coach has been there so long and it starts to kind of dwindle in terms of the results um what's the direction forward for sporting kansas city it's a narrow pointy, pointing very very up very, very up. up okay i'm buying okay. all the kansas city sporting kansas city stock this year i think they're gonna be a top four team in the west 
I'm incredibly excited about Alan Pulido coming back. People mm-hmm. forgot about Pulido, and yeah, he didn't play at a single minute. He's coming back from an injury. But if we get even a glimpse of the Alan Pulido they bought when they when they bought him from Chivas, yeah. we're talking we're talking about two potential number nines that can contend for the Golden Boot. We're talking Agada and obviously Pulido. Because what happened with Kansas City last year, they didn't have, they lost Ilya Sanchez, my guy, for free. Biggest mistake right. in franchise history, potentially. And they, had a, they, they never found their number six, right? They, right. they tried Espinosa, Roger Espinosa there. He's not a six. They nope. tried Remy Walter there. He's not a six. And now they brought this guy that I'm really excited. And I know talking with people in, inside the club, talking with, uh, with Alan, in, in, in MLS Media Day, they are mm. raving about Nemanja Radoja, that the Serbian player they brought from Celta de Vigo. Right. He has he, he's plays for the Serbian national team, which is not a small thing. He it, he is coming from Celta de Vigo, so he has uh, La Liga experience. He mm. has um, Europa League experience. He's 30 years old, so he's like Good in his prime. Right. And he's what you're looking for on 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 as a number six. Right. So what what happens now? You free up Remy Walter, who is playing the eight position, that hybrid eight that can slot in as a double pivot now with with Radoja and right. you know it's just eight that that can defend like right. Like Whereas Radoja is a ball winning midfielder it, who can also cover ground, which is crucial to make this work. Ex- he's not exactly, just an anchor man, right? But you're not you're not tying Walter to that six position that he's not, and and now you have Tommy, this player that was brought with Agada. In last year in the summer transfer window that it changed the the whole structure of the team and they and they made them so much better. Also, last year at the beginning of the season, you don't have a number six, right? True. You lost Alan Pulido uh, as an injury, so you don't have a reliable number nine. What happened? You have to depend having... We remember two years ago with Shaloy and... and Johnny Russell And, as well, and Johnny yeah. Russell having both best 11 seasons. But, I mean, are you, you put all the pressure on those guys to repeat that type of season and everything just crumbled. Right. And now with Agada, with Tommy since the beginning, with Pulido coming back, with I think, again, he's going to be a double-digit goal scorer, with Shaloy and Russell not having to do everything, with Radoja being the sixth, and now that gives Espinosa or, or Walter and, and, and Tommy that freedom in the midfield to create, I'm really excited about... about about this team and again I'm, I'm betting at them to be top four in the in the west yeah we didn't even mention Gadi Kinda who's also coming off of an injury right. and still on the club right so I yeah, mean, he's there, a little there's... bit farther in his recovery he's not going to be available for the start of the season but, but he's a guy that if you get him 100 let's say by the summer that's yeah. like a new summer signing that you're bringing up right right more right. depth uh, yeah it's it's a, it's a really good roster and I could also see, by the way, if, uh, you know, Venezia doesn't look like they're going to get promoted, um, you know, maybe they feel like Gianluca Busio is not going to be able to develop with them if they stay in the right. second division. They're worried about the the asset, you know, if you purely look in terms of transfer market perspectives, maybe there's a chance for a short-term loan, both so that he can kind of get back in the national team contention with a couple of big tournaments coming up, but then also just to get some minutes in a familiar setting. Um, it, you know, the, that's, that's just absolutely kind of throwing darts at a board at this point, but it, right. it's another move that I could see. They do kind of have that ace in the hole in terms of a potential really high level midfield addition to help them too. Um, 
couple more here, I think, and then we'll we'll, we'll wrap up. I, I liked a little bit of what Nashville did as they moved back to the Eastern Conference. Um, you know, I, I think now they are taking the <laughs> Kansas City mantle and the Houston Dynamo mantle of alternating every other year until MLS decides to stop growing. Um, I think one big thing that was an issue with them, yes, they had the MVP. They didn't have much other interplay beyond the DP. The, the, the plan was kind of to get Hani Mukhtar in those step-over scenarios where he is able to get that foot over the ball and be able to beat a defender one-on-one, create his space, either set up an assist, score a goal, draw a penalty. Those were kind of the whole, uh, you know, that was the range of what Nashville's attack looked like in many really close games. Now, if there's more space to be had, they usually found it. But I think that by bringing in Jacob Schaffelberg from Toronto FC and then also signing Fafa Picot, you do have a couple of guys who are willing to stretch the field a little bit more, who are able to give outlets for Hani Mukhtar as he is on the ball or to be able to draw defenders away from him potentially in areas. Uh, I think for Schaffelberg in, in particular, it will be a way for him to kind of get a better spotlight for John Herdman as he is looking to make Canada and their national team. So I, I think that it works really well for them. I, I'm not sure how they stack up in the Eastern Conference. Um, I, I think that they're still going to be very competitive. I think they're going to be incredibly tough to break down. Um, you know, they, they let uh, Dave Romney go, so that's going to be a big vote of confidence in Jack Mayer at center back. But, um, you know, I think those were another couple of additions where, again, these aren't going to be the headliners necessarily in their offseason. But I do yeah. think that they have a lot of upside. And this is kind of another Mike Jacobs playing money ball sort of situation where you find a way to exploit, um, you know, market inefficiencies from across Major League Soccer. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to try to be careful here, but... I'm just going to say it. I hate watching Nashville play. I, I despise. <laughs> I'm going to be careful, but I hate them. <laughs> watching them. Like, it's, I, I spoke with our MLS Media Day with, and I saw it. I mean, we got, I, we broadcast the, the playoffs game, the playoff game. Actually, I went to Nashville. Remember that, that game with Chicharito, the game after he missed the Panenka? Yes. He goes, yes. They, they go and play in Nashville. I was doing that game, Nashville against Galaxy. Nashville dominated the first half. They score, obviously, with Hani Mokhtar. They go on 1-0. And they just, like they always do, they, they, get, a, they, get, a, they get a goal, normally from, from, from Hani, As they and do. they just give the ball away. They just close up. They, they play counterattack with sometimes even Hani playing maybe as a false nine because uh, they take, they, they take the, the nine position out of, out of their position to yeah, help they haven't gotten defend. anything from their center forwards yet. And, no. and they end up, that game, they ended up with 32% of possession at home against the Galaxy. Ugh. And then they play the Galaxy at LA at a playoff game. They lose 1-0 again. Because like, when, like I told Honey, no Honey, no party. That's like, right. No That's Honey, right. no party. It's, they are very Honey dependent. Yeah. They think they can win every game 1-0 <laughs> because they yeah they have a great defense they have a great center backs with with Walker Zimmerman with the Joe Willis at in in goal is, is a really good goalkeeper yeah but nothing any anything that you mentioned matters if they don't fix the number nine position agreed like be, Long overdue. Be, between Sapong Bumbury and Zubak I'm sorry you don't have a reliable number nine no Neither of those guys are, are double-digit scorers on MLS. And I spoke with Hani and with Walker on MLS Media Days about that, and they said, yeah, we have to be better. Like, we, we cannot be so um, – uh, this is where my English fails me sometimes. Uh, okay. we, 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 ha- we need to be better controlling the games. 
Yeah. And that means we have to have the ball. We cannot win games with 32% no. ball possession. That, that cannot happen, right? Mm -hmm. And sure. I don't know if they're going to fix the number nine position. Um, it doesn't look like they're going to sign anyone else, which is, which is kind of sucks. Yet. So we're talking yeah. about basically the same team as last year um, because Shuffleboard was already there. Uh, they brought him from Toronto in the summer. That's right. Initial loan with purchase. That's right. Yeah, it's, it's like so. The, the only one it's it's Fafa, but I mean it's good role player. Yeah, good, but I mean good supplement, but not necessarily going to completely change the way the team plays the game, and certainly not going yeah. to help them with the possession because he is much more of a downhill runner. Um, you know, either off the ball or with the ball as feature right. pass so, guy, but that's not possession at that point. So we're we're like like I was we're saying about Kansas City, like is the plan. Like the plan is just like, okay, honey, do what you did last year again. Is that the plan? Yeah, it seems like it. It so, really does. I don't I don't like it. I think you when you have the MVP of the league, you have to surround him with pieces. Right. Like Austin is doing with Ducey, for example. It, it, it feels a bit like after Donovan retired from the Galaxy and it was kind of the Robbie Keane show, if you remember right, right before he fell yeah. off and, and kind of hit his retirement wall, um, there was like one or two more like vintage Robbie Keane years where he was playing at an MVP level and the Galaxy didn't really know what to do around him yeah. without Landon in there without Beckham. And so, of course, Donovan comes back in 2016. Yeah. It kind of feels like a similar thing. Joseph Martinez as well in Atlanta, where it's just let's, let's throw players around him who look good, but not necessarily the collective. Now, granted, Nashville is not going to be similarly uh constructed of course to any of these teams i'm talking about the galaxy or atlanta in particular but at the same point i, I think that there is that that impetus when you have the best player in the league or the reigning mvp in this right. case um you who is also one of the best players in the league that's not a that's not a sort of uh being cute with my word choice there if that player is on your roster you need to maximize your opportunity because the easiest way to win a league is to have the best player in the league if, if you have the best player in the league you have right. an advantage over everyone else in right. the league Right. Yeah. No one else is the best player in the league at that point. And so you might as well really try to maximize that. Mukhtar, of course, is pretty happy by the sound of it. Talking to him at the end of last season, did a profile when he won MVP. Great player. Need to ease some of the pressure on him. Like you said, no honey, no party. And I, I think that that's going to be a crucial thing for him, too. Um, last one that I had in the Eastern Conference is actually a couple of moves. One, the player who left Nashville, Dave Romney, now slots in. I thought even when they won the Supporter Shield, in 2021, New England did have some issues with the back line and also, frankly, with the midfield. Um, it, it looked very, uh, you know, the spine wasn't necessarily their strongest part. It's like me and my back. It's not necessarily the best part of you. You're going to focus on everything outside of it. And if the spine can hold up for two, three, five games, even better. Um, I, I think at this point, bringing in Dave Romney, he also is a very good progressive passer. Last year, his numbers fell off with Nashville compared to where he had been with the Galaxy and then also with his first seasons in Nashville. That's going to be a big pickup for them, and I think Latif Blessing also is a huge yeah. upgrade. Adds a lot of life and livelihood to how that team plays, which keeps them from being too hypnotic and metronomic, and I think that that will also help Carlos Heal because then he will be able to have someone who is doing much more of that ground yeah. coverage so he can do what he likes to do, which is find the space often on the wing you know he does like to drift wide a lot but he will have more freedom to do that without the team being overrun in the event of a turnover now with Latif Blessing there who also by the way will be very happy to be a regular starter yeah. after being so rotated with LAFC last year yeah and and if we remember last off season with New England I, I mean I was asking I think everybody was asking like what are what are they doing like they're 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 bringing players that don't necessarily fit their system, like when they brought Sebastian Leggett, 
like, okay, great player on paper, absolutely, right. but where is he going to play? He ended up, like, trying to play, and I spoke with Sebastian about this. That's why he was so happy to move on to Dallas and play in his position as a number eight on a 433. Sometimes with, with New England, he was playing sometimes even as a winger or close to the right. wing. Um, they, 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 they move some from players like, like they basically brought Leggett to play in the same, to play um, uh, like they got rid of Tajan Buchanan. Right. They brought in Sebastian Leggett, like completely different those player. completely <laughs> different players. And you were trying to force players to feed on those systems of the system that brought you the supporter shields two years right. ago, right? So now I think Bruce Arena realized that, okay, let's not mess that again. <laughs> and right. let's bring players that fit my system and the way I want to play. Yeah. So having that now, that um, uh, blessing with, um, uh, with, with he already showed that he can be a reliable starter. He showed that with the first couple of years with LAFC. Then, like you mentioned, he started following on the depth chart at LAFC grew and signed more players. But he can, he can be that a player as a double pivot bolster in the midfield and give Carles Hill more freedom and maybe having that Carles Hill close to his MVP-type uh, season from, from two years ago. So New England should be maybe not the flashiest team, you know, but yeah. they could be a reliable team that we know is going to be on the top seven. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, like, like you said, I, I think Blessing is way under the radar because he wasn't even on the radar for LAFC anymore. No, that's I, right. He was, he was barely playing, but... But I think he can yeah. fit. He can fit in that in that Bruce system very well. I think that with LAFC, the player whose career was or playing time for just the short term was affected the most in a negative way by Gareth Bale's brief tenure there was Quadwo Opoku. I think that the second most though, because as he starts shifting wide, yeah, and suddenly you have even fewer minutes for Latif Blessing, and and I think people forget what a revelation he was when he first moved in that expansion draft, one of the great expansion draft picks of all time. Um, you yeah. know, going from Sporting Kansas City again. Uh, really broke out, was able to do pretty much anything in the middle and attacking thirds of the field and actually drop into the defensive effectively as well. Um, that's a huge pickup. That That is just pure ground coverage that the revolution has not had since Tejan Buchanan has left, even if it's yeah. going to come in a very different way. Um, I think we had one more player on our list, and so we'll, we'll go to goalkeeper uh, round out up in Toronto. Um, we started by talking about the exodus away from New York City FC. Let's talk about one of those headline players, Sean Johnson, moving to Toronto FC. Uh, that's a team that really has nowhere they can go but up <laughs> after yeah, the first year. I mean, they certainly have the front-end talent, of course, with Federico Bernardeschi and then uh, Lorenzo Insigne as well. So a lot more pressure on Bob Bradley in year two, um, or pressure on the whole team, I guess I should say. Uh, Sean Johnson, uh, you know, again, under the radar, third-string goalkeeper at a World Cup's never necessarily going to be the one who draws the attention during a tournament or afterward. Um, but with what he did as a leader for NYFC to get them to... Um, MLS Cup in 2021. Uh, I think that that's going to be a very big addition for uh, Toronto as they look to turn a corner. You mentioned the keyword their leader, leader. Like he went to a World Cup as a as a as as a third uh, um, um, goalkeeper with the U.S. men's um, national team. And and yeah, he's he was in the World Cup roster, right? I'm not. He was there. No, I I know. I mentally too. I'm just like, was it Horvath? (laughs) Did I did I black out a little bit? uh, No, well, (laughs) no, he was there. Sean Johnson was there. Yeah, yeah, Sean Johnson was there. Um, and he was there because the work that he does in the locker room. He's a leader. And, and Greg Berhalter and the U.S. Men's National Team talk about that. Like, why are you not taking Slonina, for example, that, right. to take that, that, giving him that experience? And when you have such a young team with the national team, for example, 
Sean Johnson one one of if not the guy in the locker room that when you talk and speak he's, he's the adult in the room all the time right. Right? right and I love this move for Toronto I hate it for for New York because this is a move that impacts two franchises very much uh, for Toronto you get again a great leader but you get a great goalkeeper <laughs> and you get, the adult in the, you get the adult <laughs> in the room Right. And that can that can also navigate because Toronto, like you said, there's a lot of expectations. You potentially have the best player in the league with Insigne or with Bernardeschi. You can flip a coin with those two. Yeah, I agree. And you still have Mark Anthony K. You still have uh, uh, Osorio. You still have Michael Bradley. You have that that good midfield. You have good prospects, uh, uh, youngster in, in in coming up in from the academy on the roster. And if things don't start to to go well at the beginning when the pressure starts uh, building up. You know, we, we know that my, that Bob Bradley can be difficult to deal inside the locker room. Having mm -hmm. a, a guy like Sean Johnson to like be that adult again in the locker room, in, in when or, or if they have to send somebody to speak with the media, yeah, they have that with with Sean, right? And the, it Sean Johnson makes. Toronto so much better on the field and off the field, and it makes New York City FC worse on the field and off the field. Yeah, and, yeah, and, they're clinging and, to an argument that Luis Baraga will yeah. be able to do much of what Sean Johnson did on the field. Yeah. But I'm and he's really good. He's yeah, really he's good. good. He showed it on 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 the League Cup final against Atlas. That game, he was great, right. and I think he can show it. But right now, he's not Sean Johnson. <laughs> right. So I think I think yeah I'm I'm really excited I think Toronto Toronto should be one of the contenders in the East and we forget how bad Bono was last year yeah like Toronto dropped a lot of points because of Bono's mistake especially at the end of the season and you're not gonna have that with with Sean no no I think that that that's it's a classic move to to raise the floor of how bad the season could go right yeah. the the idea that you're not necessarily going to be blown out of games like that or you're not going to lose games that you really should have drawn and and you know not as often as it was happening prior um I think that that's crucial I mean again if you just look at the record that Toronto had last season if they could just convert a couple of those results yeah um I mean, it's interesting, and, and and this is probably for the next episode that we do together because we're going to have to do another one with how often <laughs> we're talking now. But um, I think that when you look at the playoff format, which is still going to be finalized hopefully this week at a border governor's meeting, um, if you expand it to nine, it's already pretty thin once you get to six and seven. And I think that we know that the difference, once you get to that point, it, it is one result on the final day of the yeah. season, and you don't want to be in a position where you could have what happened to the Galaxy in 2021. Justin Miram scores a goal in the 90th minute in a completely different stadium, and as a result of that, no matter what you do at home, you are unable to overcome yeah. that difference and you miss the playoffs. I think that being able to be in a position where you are secured by match week 30 and you have four left to work for your seeding, that's where Toronto should aspire to be this year. It's a big step forward from where they were last year. I think with the players on the roster, though, and the coach that they have on the touchline, it's entirely possible. Yeah. Hopefully they they don't do that. I, <laughs> I hate the idea of having nine teams qualify. Having I hope not either. Eighteen teams qualifying. Eighteen. Eighteen. Eighteen out, out of twenty nine. That's I I change anything you want. Just just keep, leave it at seven. That's the craziest Please. thing, to me man. Is that leave it at seven. There are a lot of things you could tell me need to be retooled about MLS, and I'll agree with you, right? Like it's it's a serious right. league. Not it's the playoffs. A, no, not the playoffs. That's the last thing I would have touched. They the finally, format. they finally got the right formula. I thought so. exactly how it is. It's perfect. Yeah, 
One like team gets a buy. One team, right. there is a good reason to advance, or you don't because the one seed tends to do exactly. so poorly. Exactly. But you can play the calculus yourself. If you want to give me, okay, let's do let's do it more in a fair way. Let's let's do it like, for example, what the European competition do in the in the let's let's play home in a way. Sure. Perfect. But don't give me more teams, please. No, 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 no. <laughs> I would you. actually, I would like the idea of if you're going to do a play-in game, fine, do that seven six whatever. Then you have six teams. Like the NBA. Right, like the NBA. You can do yeah. something like that. That's cool. That adds another round to it. And maybe then that's the kind of second chance, whatever, for a Galaxy team that slips on the final yeah. day. They do at least still have that play. And I think that that game could actually be, um, you know, it, it, it is a game that feels like it could be something of a spectacle for the teams involved that they're bought in. Yeah. I'm with you. I like the idea of like a quarterfinal or a semifinal within a conference, maybe having the two-leg format, maybe even the conference final. I, I like that idea of really making sure you earn your place in MLS Cup. But I'm with you. We did not need more teams in the playoffs. I think even if we had kept it, we would only barely have less than half of teams qualifying. And honestly, man, once you get to October <laughs> and you've got four weeks left of the season, there are absolutely teams that are going to be qualifying for the playoffs that do not look like playoff teams yeah. already. Yes. And if you're going to throw in two more teams, we're going back to uh, Inter-Miami qualifying as a 10 seed in 2020. Yeah. That's basically what we're looking at again. Just Exactly. I agree. All right, my friend. Thank you so much for hopping on. Um, and uh, I'm glad you rested, man. It's uh, We're both smiling a lot easier than we were MLS Cup weekend, I'll tell you that. So yeah. That's yes. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks for having me. This, this, this was fun. Uh, can do it anytime you want. I'm, I'm, I'm here for, like, our boy... Andrew Weeby said, with MLS Psychos. <laughs> <laughs> that's what we are. I mean, honestly, though. Yeah, maybe that's the name of the podcast. We just launched a show called MLS there, Psychos. There you go. Uh, I wanted to throw two more names without going into it. Yeah, Aaron yeah, do it, do it, do it. Aaron Herrera to Montreal. I think it's okay. super low on the radar. Love that move. One of Montreal. the few really good moves Montreal made this offseason. Sold, they had a really sold, bad offseason. Yeah, they, they sold Alistair Johnson to, to Celtic, and they immediately replaced him with Aaron Herrera, which I think it's super underrated. Yeah. And another one, Santiago Arias. A guy that can play right back, right wing back in Cincinnati. I think he's going to start over, over Alvas Powell. He can play. He can play on on uh, as a center back on the three man line. Yeah. Fantastic Champions League uh, experience, European League experience, over Columbia forty games with thing. the Colombian national team. Right. Great, great signing. That I player love does Cincinnati. not come on trial with an MLS team. Usually when, when exactly. you see that list of like trialists coming through, yeah. it's, it's kids with college. Yeah. USL league one guys who will fill the next pro yeah. roster. I'm with you with Herrera. It'll be interesting to see how he handles going under the Hernan Lasada system. It's going to be a lot yeah. of running. We'll see how much yeah. he evolves after the DC United phase. A couple of other players I'll throw out while we're at it too, uh, just to upset our producer even further. I think he's <laughs> uh, Matias Pellegrini. Um, kind of yep. following the blueprint of that Julian Carranza leaving into Miami for Philly for peanuts. Now we have Matias Pellegrini trying to pick up some slack for NYCFC. I think that that's a really good pickup for a player who once looked so promising, hasn't really gotten his chance in Miami. It'll be very interesting to see how Rodolfo Pizarro reintegrates into Miami after spending a year away on loan. You don't usually see MLS teams bring a player back into the fold at that high of a price tag, but they really don't have a choice at this point. Right. Um, and then I think I'll close out here with uh, Connor Ronan, uh, a player who does change how the Colorado Rapids midfield looks, someone who has played with Jack Price before through the Wolverhampton days. Um, you know, I think it's just another pickup that does help that midfield be a little bit more coherent as Robin Frazier looks to bounce back after a fairly disappointing 2022 season. Uh, Kelly, thanks to you again. Love it. Come on. Really, really appreciate it. And thank you for listening. Uh, you can find us all over your feed. We've got a lot of different shows coming at you. We've got a lot of different things. And now we're going to be working some more Major League Soccer in as this season gets underway soon. Um, so you can subscribe to The Athletic, find everything you're looking for here. And uh, thank you again for listening. Have a great day.
Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic.